0: Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 224. Jason Lingren is with me and Wayne McCroy is back by popular demand. Uh, We're going to cover a thing here which is interesting, if for no other reason, um, because people go through life, they encounter things, and they don't think there's any meaning behind it. Uh, When a lot of human beings and a lot of human lives are affected, there's always meaning behind it. And Today, we're going to take apart the basically historical foundational ideas behind masks anyhow welcome jason and good evening so how's it man Mm, beautiful day here how about you yeah it's pretty nice pretty nice it's uh it's clouded up but uh we finally it just kind of went straight from cold spring to cold summer um but yeah we've had some nice days leaves on the trees finally you got anything
1: no i don't think we're at the point where we can do other things yet maybe maybe soon maybe soon we can start thinking about doing more stuff.
0: Yeah, well, we we've been kind of up against it too because we missed that Saturday a couple times ago, so we've been playing catch up. We were ahead for a while, anyhow. Welcome, Wayne.
2: Hi, guys. Good to be back on here.
0: How are things in your neck of the woods, man? Crazy.
2: Oh, uh, yeah it's it it's actually the weather's been beautiful here. It's been like you know mid seventies high during the day and like high fifties at night, so it's been really comfortable. Uh, very nice weather. The The trees are finally budding. Everything's green and beautiful and lush now, so uh, weather's good here. Still a lot of craziness going on here in Pennsylvania, so uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later on uh, well, during the, the run of things here.
0: Yeah, it's more kind of upside-down, backwards world. I just heard, I don't know, maybe an hour ago that they've put a uh, curfew uh, in Providence, and the city of Warwick, um, one other city I can't recall, they're all up there right next to Providence. Actually, the Providence Airport is in Warwick. It's the most bizarre thing ever. A curfew put in place for 8 o'clock, I think maybe Providence is 9, um, but it doesn't apply to the protesters because they're essential.
2: So <laughs>
0: basically you're putting a curfew in place because the protests have got. I, I, it's just, it's bizarre world, you know? Uh, In the history of the world, I'm reasonably sure that you quarantine sick people, not well people, but we'll just set all that nonsense aside because if there are any adults in the room, they don't need it pointed out. But anyhow, you guys ready to jump in? Totally. Yeah, let's go
1: for it. It's all you, Jason. So we're going to break down and go through some stuff on masks. The modern definition and etymology of the word mask From Middle French, mask, M-A-S-Q-U-E, from the 1530s, a covering to hide or guard the face. From Italian, mascara, M-A-S-C-H-E-R-A, from medieval Latin, masca, M-A-S-C-A, meaning mask, spectre, nightmare, a word of uncertain origin. All of this seems like it's pretty negative, huh? Well, yeah, but you know, this is the crazy thing about certain words
0: when you get back into the etymology. They give you kind of trails from what we'll just call recent supposed history, supposedly the, the 1530s. Um, but then they go, after all these meanings they lay down, they write uncertain origin, um, which is always interesting. I've bumped into this a few times, but what I did not know before I saw this was, I'm guessing, the idea of um, mascara. That women wear uh, come from this etymology. What would you say, Wayne?
2: Yeah, that's that's actually one hundred percent correct. Uh, when I, I started doing the research down into that line, yeah, mascara comes into it, and there's different uh, different parts of the etymology when you look back about masks uh, being like a, a blackening of the face as well. So, I mean, there's there's a lot there to it, but yeah, mas- mascara word from Italian. That's a direct descendant or Yeah, antecedent of uh, the word mascara. So that's a lot where this comes from. And we'll break it down because I was actually able to trace back the words a little bit further, too. And we'll get to that in the next next bullet point here.
1: Right, I see it coming. From etimonline.com, mask is perhaps derived from the Arabic mascara, spelled M-A-S-K-H-A-R-A-H, meaning buffoon or mockery. From Sakira, be mocked or ridiculed. <laughs> now I think we're getting a little bit closer. This sounds kind of familiar to some things we've been talking about lately.
0: Exactly. Now I think we're getting down to brass tacks. But I, I might have said, the uh, I'm looking at the Arabic spelling, I might
2: have went mask hara, um, But I'm not sure. Let's get Wayne in here. Yeah, uh, as far as the pronunciation, that would be my best guess too, maskhara. But the whole point... Uh, to it is that you could clearly see what the intent behind the word is, especially as it relates to right now. Buffoon or mockery. That's exactly what's going on, isn't it?
0: Well, we're going to get up into the idea of the masquerade, so I won't tip the tip the helmet too quick here. Um, but the whole idea of a masquerade was to conceal an identity to do things that you didn't want attached to your person. Um, and I would add, you know, with a mask, how are you going to face up if no one can see your face if you follow my thrust <laughs> to make a pun there? Go ahead, Jason.
1: Figurative meaning. Anything used or practiced for disguise or concealment to take part in a masquerade.
0: Yeah, we'll creep into it here. Um <laughs> But even in the modern era, if you look at the typical use of what we would call a mask, I think probably in the United States, the most frequent use, and I'm just guessing here, would be Halloween, um, which also has kind of dark overtones. As a matter of fact, um, there's another good example of Western culture gone amiss. When I was young, uh, the idea was to dress up from some interesting, funny, or you know, person you liked, or something like this was the idea. But over my lifetime... It's become a butcher shop, a gore fest. Um, now Halloween has become something wholly different. Um, and if it's not the sexy cop, it's basically the bloody whatever. Um, and that's also associated with the the Western use of masks. Right. It's one of those
2: things where it's either used to the effect of of horror, or like you said, the the gory effect, or something like the the sexy cop, that kind of thing. It's also a very uh, sexually charged kind of a thing. And we'll get into that later because that that goes right along with the whole masquerade kind of scenario.
0: Right. We could center part of that at Venice when we get there.
1: Masks have been used from as far back in history as we can look. They have been used for many reasons, from shamanic or religious traditions or rituals, as a disguise for the purpose of deception or even criminal activity, or even just for fun.
0: Well, I would venture to guess, and actually I know this to be correct, there are still kind of animist traditions, I'm not sure I'll call them religions, but that's what I'm hinting towards, uh, in the world now where they use the mask to take on the spirit of the thing that they're dealing with. And this goes way back um, to the earliest climes of Buddhism uh, all over the world. Uh, many of the African spiritual traditions used the mask, and the idea was is that you were going to take on the spirit of that animal or that thing or that spirit.
2: What do you got, Wayne? Uh, yeah, I would say that's actually a tradition that's very similar to what they would call uh, a totem uh, in a lot of the like the Native American traditions and things like that. Uh, it's the same kind of thing. I mean, that's that's what these masks have been used for is to portray uh, some portion of the natural world, and that's kind of what the, a lot of these old religious traditions or rituals had used them for going way back in these shamanic traditions is to kind of uh, express this type of energy, this type of natural energy. And that's, that's kind of how a lot of these things have come about way back in the ancient past. I mean, as far back as we could look, we could see these kind of traditions and these uses of the mask. So that's, that's one of those things where, uh, We don't really know the exact origin or purpose of it but uh, when you look back through these traditions you see this common denominator through very many of them and once again it points back to the natural world so i I would say that uh, some of the more modern uses of masks are kind of a perversion of what the original intended use of them has been in different alchemical traditions or different shamanic or religious traditions
0: well, I think I could even extend this out a bit in the vein we're talking about into architecture. Uh, as an example, in Japan, uh, there's these little things they put up called shishi dogs, uh, and they'll be put up you know, on tops of gates or on the gables of houses, um, and they're fearsome looking, and they're meant to scare off evil spirits. Um, this idea is also extended into the like things like the Chinese New Year, where they're exploding fireworks to scare away the evil spirits, but they're always... Uh, associated with these scary masks and other things where they're basically scaring off evil (laughs) with a mask and some fireworks.
2: Yeah, you also kind of have the same thing with uh, some of the the more gothic uh, type structures with the the gargoyles on them and dragons and lions and those sorts of things. Same kind of concept. I mean, you're still looking at a, a type of mask, uh, even though it's a, a piece of statuary. It, it kind of so, you know, serves the same function as the mask in that regard. So, uh, you know, it's interesting how all these different ideas cross over with one another, and you know, the the use of masks has way more of a an esoteric type meaning or value than what most people would think in the modern age. I, I would say that their foundation is
0: occulted, esoteric. Um, the reason they exist starts from where we're alluding to.
1: I would think that they were used as an object to uh, channel a certain idea or notion or evoke a certain emotion, Though, especially the further you go back. You start seeing these things in all sorts of any kind of ritual or anything like that. And you see those things carrying forward even with modern Wicca and all that.
2: Right, it's an invocation of uh, some archetype really, when it comes down to it, in archetypal energy. And that's exactly what these things have been developed to do, is to bring forward this archetypal energy and utilize it. So that that's kind of the whole purpose behind a mask when you go back into the occulted history of it. Uh, and we'll explore uh, you know, that thought process and avenue a little further as we go down the notes here now.
0: Well, one thing I guess we should mention is the foundational reasons we're even going down this road. The human brain is basically wired for faces. Um, it's why we see a face in the clouds or these other things. That symmetry is like in our subconscious. So when you remove all the faces from the world and replace them with something else, what's actually going
1: on there? I would ask. Maybe we're training the AI to do even better than it did before
0: i don't think there's any doubt about that you'll probably have body geometries and everything else being collected
2: yeah that whole concept of the human being being able to see faces in different objects or or things like in the clouds or whatever that's called pareidolia so uh, if they could train the ai to respond to pareidolia uh that would be a really huge breakthrough for it so who knows i mean i guess that's a feasible thing i don't know man we're in
0: we're, we're in for some strange times um When we see which way
2: this is going to go,
0: uh, but it's not going to be the world that we knew a few short weeks ago.
1: The mask has become an esoteric symbol denoting falsehood or illusion. It even has mystical or magical connotations to it, ranging in things as diverse as skinwalkers, who are people who allegedly are able to don animal skins and or masks and transform into animals to mind-control programming motifs, and symbolizing an air of mystery.
0: <laughs> I think the first sentence kind of sums up where we are denoting falsehood
2: or illusion. I, I can't add much more. <laughs> what do you think, Wayne? Yeah, basically, that's the whole point. It's, it's to bring about this, this air of falsehood. It's, it's a false front. Yep. It's not something that's, that's actual. <laughs> that's the whole point to it. it it's all a facade. And uh, that's that's the important point to get across right now. This whole thing is a facade.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm hearing that old Who song in my head right now. Eminence Front, it's a put-on.
1: This whole thing reminds me of the end scene with Eyes Wide Shut, where Tom Cruise is unmasked while he's surrounded by tons of masked people. What's the exact meaning we have there? That they are putting on a different persona, that he's not allowed to know who they are, but they're allowed to know who he is?
0: Well, that's an interesting analogy you're making there because in in that movie, um, Tom, uh, Tom Cruise is like the odd man out, right? He's like the lofty doctor in the civil world, but in the world he's around, he's completely clueless and a nobody. Um, his wife knows what's going on. All kinds of people around him know what's going on. He has no damn clue, and he manages to sneak his way in, and that's a perfect example. Uh, he is literally unmasked in front of all those masked people, and it's a good analogy, Jason.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a good uh, allegory of the way things are operating today yep. uh, because basically what their whole point behind this is is data collection. They want to know everything about you, And uh, they want you to be able to not be able to discern who exactly they are or, or, you know, who any of these people around you are. Because when it comes down to it, if you're out in public and there's all these different people wearing masks and hiding their face from you, you don't know one stranger from another on on the street anymore. Even if they're your neighbors that have been you've been going to the same stores and stuff as for years and years, you wouldn't might not even recognize them anymore. Especially after this goes on for quite a little bit of time. So that's kind of one of the things It makes this a really good allegory is because uh, although your identity is well known to the power establishment, you don't exactly know who's all around you at any given time or who's who's watching you or looking at your information. So it is a really good allegory. And basically, in terms of information, we've crossed
0: the Rubicon, and the money that's being paid out proves it. Uh, many people are just getting a notice saying we just put money in your bank. Well, how the hell did you get all that information? All right, isn't our banking information it's supposed to be private? But that's just the the most basic of things. Um, everything has been shared. We've crossed the Rubicon, um, and this echoes back to I don't even remember the decade with Waco um, when there was all this to do about military. Operating inside the United States. Well, we're there again, aren't we? Um, So we've reached kind of an upside down world where what's up is down and what's down is up. But what remains to be seen is what's going to be allowed to go forward. Um, Are we going to treasure a more sane time and demand it back, whatever it takes? Or is something else going to happen here? And I have my ups and my downs like I went out still today. I think probably 80% of the people I saw were in masks. And then I heard the news that, oh, you children got to be in bed by eight, but not the protesters. The reason we're doing this curfew, they're, they're cool. They can go out and get out of hand again. Um, and that's clearly a put up too. Um, there's there's clearly people being put in uh, to take that all sideways. Uh, it happened in La Mesa, which is my hometown of San Diego, I knew a lot of people who saw what was going on and they saw people that had come from somewhere else to cause the trouble. So it's pretty clear what's going on. But what's not clear is how many people are not sleepwalking. That remains to be seen. And that's going to be a critical part of this whole thing.
1: And for the first time in history that I'm aware of, if you don't wear a mask while going into a bank, you're going to incite fear. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Remember back in the day when the hoodie was a problem, you know, like you were automatically a criminal if you have a hoodie. Now now people are like putting on bandito masks because they don't have a ma- it's it's beyond the pale. We've just you know, the Rubicon's 100
2: miles in the rear view it's definitely like clown world out there it is it It really is everything's upside down you You can dress like the unabomber but you know put on a a bandana and cover the rest of your face too it's crazy it's like that old star (laughs) trek where the world
0: where the kids are in charge (laughs) (laughs) my word
1: masks became an important tool for entertainers and actors or those associated with theater masks are some of the oldest props used in entertainment productions of many kinds.
0: You know, and this is this is a no-nonsense statement. Um, I've said many times that it was never lost on the rulers, if there was a supposed time of kings and queens, the importance of entertainment. <laughs> These ideas were even re-echoed to do the kind of king and queen times idea in, in the uh, fictitious world of Game of Thrones, where they're showing you um, how they use plays to push a political or a social point of view. And these minstrels, um, who I've also covered, by the way, and, and here's, here's the association. So if you went back to a time before all the things we have, um, and you went back to when there was basically minstrel shows, it's pretty much the only people wearing masks regularly, right? Those people were not socially acceptable. They were still... They were seen as duplicitous. The name actor in Greek means two-faced. They were. It was against the law for them to hold public office. And believe it or not, all the way up into Christian times, it was against the law for an actor to be buried in a Christian cemetery. And they sure as hell couldn't hold public office because are they acting or are they not acting? That was the idea. But this goes to show you the association that we're making. Um, and we've lost that, too. That also has flipped on its head. Um, In 1980, whatever the heck it was, I can't recall, one of the biggest changes in modern Western cultural society was a Hollywood actor was made commander-in-chief. That's fine now. No one stopped to say, is this an acting show? Is there a separation between DC and Hollywood? Does any of this matter? Are we in bizarro world? And that's where they kind of normalized the idea that this dude could be an actor, a duplicitous person who basically makes believe for a living. And now he's going to go stand in front of the camera as the commander in chief. So these are crucial points.
2: And I would say now it's come to the point where the uh, presidency uh, is clearly a, an office where you need to be an actor to actually uh, hold the office properly. You, you've got to get up before the camera and lie, lie, lie through your teeth and be convincing about it, because that's kind of the world we're in now. And and this was all normalized, as you said, in 1980 with the uh, uh, election of Ronald Reagan. So you know, for the first time, we see openly an actor in the White House. And now, who do we have in the White House today? Once again, another actor. He's got many television credits and and movie credits, even and stuff like that. He's been all over film, so that should tell you something right there. Whether you uh, support the man or not, and uh, you know, it's it's all a shell game. It really is. I, I still. It boggles my mind how many people still buy into the whole left-right paradigm thing. It's it's not how it really works, okay? It's those at the top of the power structure versus us, the common man. I mean, and that's, that's the dynamic. And people look at the dynamic all wrong. It's not like left versus right or, you know, white versus black or anything else that they're trying to divide us along. It's not a, a division along those lines. That's not who your real enemy is. And people need to understand that. But I still see, by and large, people still buy into this whole paradigm. And these masks are a perfect emblem that uh, kind of makes that association and shows you it's duplicitous. It's two-faced. And that's what's going on. And it's it's keeping people divided along these separate lines and uh, infighting with each other when we should be focused on who's really the one that's the problem. And I tell you, folks, it's not your neighbor. Or it's not uh, you know, the the dude down the street from you that's just trying to raise their family or whatever, has a better job than you or a nicer car or whatever. It it's none of that. It's not this the the wealthy business owner uptown. Uh, you know, it's it's not, you know, your neighbor that uh maybe can't make ends meet or something and and may do something a little shady on the side to get a little extra cash to pay the bills. That's not who your enemy is, and people need to really get this through their heads and stop with the whole left-right paradigm thing because it's all an illusion. It's all a facade like the rest of it, and uh, today is primary election day here in Pennsylvania, and there's people all kinds of talking out there about uh, going out to the polls and voting, and it's, it's a joke when it comes down to it. And as an interesting side note, they're doing all paper ballots here now, even if you're going out to vote. So that kind of uh, seems a little shady on the face of it too, but that's beside the point. But anyway, people need to really lose this whole left-right paradigm illusion.
0: It's the proof of divide and conquer put into action, and we've demonstrated that your votes don't seat a president. The electoral college does that, and that was a backdoor to power. But to get back to what we were getting at, um, they began to program the, the Western culture in this state away from the ideas matter in a supposed election during Kennedy and Nixon, uh, because everyone was convinced after the fact that Nixon had lost because he wasn't as handsome as Kennedy. And by the way, there was sweat on his top lip. And that surely cost him the election. Go back to that other dude, what was his name? Gary. He made some big hoorah noise that came off funny on film, and they made sure. Everyone are, I think that's get, what it was. Mm, it was, no, it wasn't hard. It was the other guy. People will remember. Um, he was a contender at the time, but they made a big point to saying, damn, if he just wouldn't have hooted, he would have been a contender. Like the ideas don't matter, right? That's what's being displayed here. Um, but we may do an episode. Maybe the three of us should do an episode in the future because I've made this statement a lot of times. There's never been any separation between Hollywood and DC. Never. Um, And As a matter of fact, MGM was running things on the Turner Classic thing, um, I don't know, a year or two ago, that showed the Hollywood muckety-mucks coming to the Dream Factory um, all the way back in the late 30s, early 40s, something like that. Um, It's crazy. There's never been any separation, and it's never been lost on the people who were running the show, the importance of media. And by the way, when radio came along everybody knew it was a big deal that's echoed in the movie uh oh brother where art thou where the senator comes in and says we're not one or two of them we're mass communicating here you idiot um showing that the people in power already recognize but they also recognize that when you put pictures with that radio signal that was the biggest jump in the power of communication that had come along to date and look what it's done to us um I, I, would, I would state verbatim that we would be in a wholly different world right now if it wasn't for TV.
1: I would suggest that becoming the president is like donning a mask all of its own, but not a physical one, more like a metaphorical one. Because there's no way that the person that is being portrayed before the public is who that person really is. It's just not going to happen. And Reagan might be the first person who was an actual actor in real life as a career for many years. Who did we have after Reagan? Well, we had H.W. Bush, who was in charge of the biggest professional spy and lying organization the world has ever seen. Who came after that? Mr. Charismatic Clinton. And it goes on and on.
0: Right. But as it went on and we came up into this total media saturation age, see, even back in Reagan's era, you didn't see the president that much. And even back then, we pretty much had the evening news still. Um, So there was not this idea for the most part of a 24 hour news cycle. And so he did the State of the Union or whatever, and you'd occasionally see the president. So that was a face they put on. Um, but even think back to Obama. He, he existed in media saturation. People will still tell you today, they don't know where he was born. If that's not the ultimate mask for a supposed president of the United States, I don't know what is.
1: Well, I don't think we ever knew who Obama really was.
2: Yeah. And when you look at the whole duplicitous nature of it all, it could be perfectly summed up in a thing Hillary Clinton said back in the 2016 election cycle. She said that you have to have a, uh, how did she put it, a a public uh, opinion and a private opinion on things. I think that's, I might have the words messed up, but she was talking about uh, like her her different uh, stance on different topics. She said you have to have a public stance and a private stance. And so that kind of points out the duplicity there, because she would say she was, say, pro-abortion or something, or, you know, she would come out and say she was uh, for gun rights. And then, you know, when it comes to policy making time, she's against gun rights, that kind of thing. But she's been caught out in the open saying that, uh, you know, that she has two separate uh, separate personas, per se, toward the public. There's a public persona and the private persona. And uh, this kind of shows the duplicity that is politics. Politics is acting for the ugly. I mean, that's what it's about. Yeah, um,
0: and you know, as we were talking about this, it occurred to me, um, Billy Joel's song, The Stranger, is basically chipping away at the foundation. We're laying here about masks. What he has to say about masks and the idea, identities they put on as famous people. Um, he kind of couches it as if it's talking about all people, but if you read between the lines, you'll see even in that song, the the very ideas we're expressing are kind of woven carefully into a uh, into music.
1: It's amusing to say anything about Hillary at this point because. She was clearly proven to be using body doubles playing her at different times.
0: Who hasn't? Is there a real Beatle? I I mean, this is, (laughs) I I don't know why people were surprised by that. I think that's kind of part and parcel for fame. And not only that, like I was watching some old Japanese flicks, and um, they were really old black and white Japanese flicks, and they're doing the very same thing, doubling the feudal lord. Um, You know, if it's someone who looks like him or his brother, this this has been going on since the beginning of time. Remember the Saddam thing. Supposedly he had three or four doubles running
1: around. Clearly, masks are also used for ritualistic purposes as well and are popularly used at various kinds of parties and to celebrate holidays. Halloween is, of course, a prime example of this. Indeed,
0: All Hallows' Eve, but I would suggest that first line. Clearly, masks are also used for ritualistic purposes. Hmm, what's your mask being used for, I would ask everyone listening
2: anyhow, Wayne. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And like we pointed out earlier, a lot of these different ritualistic or religious-type traditions go way, way back. Before the written word, pretty much. I mean, you're going back into uh, pre-written history. With a lot of these ideas and these concepts. So this is kind of carried forward into today. And uh, these are still heavily used uh, for ritualistic purposes and even covertly so, which I see going on in the world around us. Uh, All you have to do is look at something like a, a big stage show, like, say, maybe a Super Bowl halftime event or something like that. Look at how many times people use props, such as a mask or something in uh, a large public forum like that uh you know for what they would deem to be entertainment purposes but when you really look at what's going down you could see the ritualistic use of these things Uh, a good example of this would be uh when we take a look back at i think it was the 2012 olympic games in london that kind of pre-echoed this whole covid thing going on uh you know, do you, do you guys, did you see that video? Do you guys remember yeah, that? Because I, right. I actually remember watching that ceremony as it was going on and thinking, what in the holy hell are right. he
0: they doing here? Exactly. And it, not only that, it was on the tail or, it, you know, the China we had by by the time we were looking at it, we had the China one to compare, which was a huge spectacle, which made the London one seem all the more what the hell is going on here? What are they doing? Well, it's pretty clear. Anyone who's not aware, go back and look at the, uh, the Olympic opening and closing for London. I think it's the opening, Wayne, if I have it right, all the hospital beds and the creepy, creepy crawler, 15 yeah. foot dudes going around. Um, and just the whole thing is pre-echoed there. Um, and at some point we're gonna have to grow the hell up. And so right now where we are is if you point out these things that are undeniable, you get labeled, oh, you're a conspiracy guy or "You're you know, you're something silly. But the truth of it is that's undeniable. So how how do we how do we end up where we are here and feel so helpless when there's so much overwhelming evidence to show just exactly how we ended up here? I would just ask
2: that question. Right. And I would agree with that because it gets to the point where it's like, how much more of this do you have to see right in your face to understand That uh, some of this stuff is quite possibly pre-planned or or pre-echoed in so many different ways. It's it's obvious to anybody who actually takes a look at it. But people will just say, ah, it's a coincidence. Well, how many friggin' coincidences do you have to see to decide that there's some kind of pre-planning? Like it's it's over the top already. Like just today, I discovered that. there's actually a scene in the end credits of a 2011 film uh, Captain America: The First Avenger where uh, it's when Cap uh, is revived in the future uh, you know from when he he had crashed the plane in the ice in the 1940s during the war and uh, they they revived him come I think it was in 2011 when they did the film and he he wakes up in the hospital bed and realizes it's not what he thought because they they had staged the whole thing to look like a 1940s style hospital room and he recognized the facade because of something that was playing on the radio was actually a ball game he'd seen so he ran out of the building and into the street into modern day new york and there's a scene there at the end where if you pause it you could see clearly to his on his right side there's a big billboard sign that has a corona beer on it And on his left side, I kid you not, is a picture of the image of the coronavirus that they've been showing all around, looks like. So it's right there in a 2011 film. Uh, I saw this on uh, the Internet today, and I went and I checked it out because I have that movie. And I looked, and sure enough, it's really there. So, I mean, it's another pre-echoing there of things. So it's like, how many of these coincidences do people need to see? to understand there's really something behind it. It's not a coincidence.
0: Well, even, even in what you just described, the storyline itself is showing you the nonsensical nature of staging. Because what they're telling you is this man went into a coma decades ago, so if he wakes up and the shock of being in this time, he won't be able to take it. Well, the actually, the opposite is shown to be true. Not only does he wake up, realize he's being lied to, he, under duress, runs out into the street to have to face the truth, that they were supposedly shielding him from, and he doesn't miss a beat. So even the fraudulent nature of all this staging and pre-echoing is being shown. And to some degree, it's about whether we're going to grow up or not, or whether we're going to drool in front of media. Um, that's really what it's come to. Um, that patina that the evening news has should be long gone, but for so many people, it's not. Um, and most of those people are over 65. Go figure um, this is also cleverly done. And as we're all getting ready to go back to work here, uh, what happens? The other shoe drops, the race card gets played. Um, it, it never ends, but at some point adults in the room are going to have to stand up and say, how much of this has to be flaunted in your face? How many times do you need to be poked in the eye and made fun of before you get up the speed
2: here? Because it's really getting past the point here of ridiculous. It truly, truly is. And just an example of that, uh, like you were saying, the poke in the eye, Uh, go look at a picture of some of these protests, especially the, the more peaceful type protests, the ones where they're not like destroying things. You have a whole bunch of people standing out in giant crowds together wearing masks that say, I can't breathe. How much more ironic and a poke in the eye could it be to people?
0: It's, you know, it's like programming a computer, isn't it? You know, it's like, (laughs) it's literally like programming a computer, except those are human beings taking the programming. Um, It's beyond the pale. And, you know, you could ask the question, how many times have we seen this very event that supposedly caused a stir everywhere? I can't even count in my lifetime how how many times I've seen versions of this event. Um, This is being fueled. And until people recognize who's pouring the rocket fuel, it's a clown show. It's that really that simple.
1: We will examine the history of the masquerade as a social construct utilized to affect culture and socially engineer the masses. We will also explore the history and meaning of various types of masks and masquerades. Well, of
0: course, we're going to be able to associate down the road here, Wayne, the masquerades with Venice, which was basically the centralization of some of the, the most powerful people in banking and other things, uh, which I will tie to the priestly sects that came through Rome under Titus. I ended up founding the Vatican. I'll be doing that show at some point, probably,
2: anyhow. Yeah, we could see, uh, you know, when we, we do start going down the road here, uh, with the whole concept of the masquerade, Venice plays a key part in a lot of this and is one of the main uh, origin places of what we would consider the modern-day masquerade. And uh, this, once again, goes back to your whole Black nobility kind of idea, or those uh, the Black Gelfs, as you say. Uh, This this is the people who uh, largely popularized this whole idea and have utilized it because of, uh, I would say, because of the ritualistic purpose of the mask. And, and the need to cover the
0: debauchery. They wanted to have the debauchery, but they didn't want anyone to point at them. It's almost like a lie agreed upon um, because, I mean, if you knew 20 people and you put 20 people in costumes with very elaborate masks, wouldn't you be able to identify some of them unmistakably? So even this is almost like a lie agreed upon, I
1: would point out. We will also look at the practical uses of masks and how they have been used to identify different social classes, or their use as tools in important historical events or agendas.
2: Yeah, if we look just basically at uh, some of the practical uses here of of masks, I mean, you could clearly see a surgeon wears a mask, and that's kind of a you know an important thing uh, for doing the surgery because. You know, it it keeps them from, you know, getting contaminants in the surgical field or on themselves from the surgical field. So you can see they do have some practical purposes. Plus, there's also different kinds of masks that are used, like, say, fire equipment, uh, gas masks, things of that nature for people who deal with uh, extreme situations like that. These things are all important. So, I mean, they do have some practical aspects and stuff to them. It's just they've also been abused in a lot of ways. So, uh, you know, you could see there's all kinds of different types of masks or uh, concepts that relate to the mask. I mean, one in particular that you could look at is uh, the clown, the, the concept of the clown. This is a type of mask. This is a disguise. This is face paint and stuff that could be classified as a mask. And, uh, you know, you you look at the the nature of how clowns are interpreted in the modern day, and you could see there's a lot of negative connotation there. So it's one of those things where, once again, you're looking at somebody that's duplicitous or somebody that uh, is trying to disguise who they really are or hide behind this facade. And that's a lot of what this is. But it's also – this ties back to the whole jester idea of the medieval royal courts, too. Uh, So you can see there's a lot of associations that could be made with this stuff. It's uh, one of those things where it ties back to the whole comedic idea. So there are some masks that tie back to a comedic idea, and there's some different concepts that go along with the mask, like the idea of the clown or the jester that sometimes do or or don't use masks in and of themselves that relate to these ideas. So, I mean, there's there's different uh, types of classification going on in society because the jester held a very different type of a position within the court. So, I mean, you could see how the mask was used for identification purposes. There, uh, the jester—they've—they've they've been known uh, in many instances to utilize certain masks, and you know they—they they were known for their headgear and stuff they wore as well. So this is a type of mask, and and this identifies who this person is within the social setting. And there's other aspects of that too. I mean that we'll we'll go down the road there too uh, throughout the historical timeline. Another use of masks has been. Uh, With slaves, Uh, slaves were given a mask that covered their mouth, and basically this was to show subservience, and that's kind of where we're at. So you can see how this whole classification system, this whole social class difference thing, was implemented along these lines as well.
0: Well, the whole clown thing has its duplicitous. There is the idea of the mask with the clown, the makeup, the covering of the face um, with the idea— that it's going to be funny and jovial and entertain the children, but there has always been a duplicitous, evil underpinning. Even all the way back to the original Batman in '66, and before that, you had the Joker as an example. If you come up into the modern times, you know we got the mass murderers that were clad. It goes on and on and on. But there's another thing that's particularly kind of disturbing about the lack of logic uh, in our culture. Um, you know, they, they, the, the issue at hand that's got all these masks being worn, the thing they're trying to block is a certain size. And it was shown early on that only special masks could block a thing of that size, even if it existed as described. And yet we've gotten up to the point where simply putting a bandana over your face is passable. And that in and of itself should show you the nature of what we're doing. And by the way, one of the earliest YouTube videos that I saw factually citing Supposed scientific documents showing the size of this supposed virus and the size of a webbing called a mass that we need to block it, um, that was deleted and censored. Again, showing that in certain things, uh, when a thing is censored, that's really where you need to be looking. But at what point does common sense enter this conversation? You could ask the question, why historically has it always been uh, that sick people were quarantined? And how did it all of a sudden flip to everybody is quarantined? Just normal common sense will get you where you need to go here. Um, But until we have enough people doing it, it's going to be, its I don't know, whack-a-mole, right? People are going to put their head up and they're going to get clobbered. uh, And unfortunately, they're going to get clobbered by people in society. That person in the grocery store is going to have something bad to say, uh, among other things. But really, common sense has left the scene here. Because if you if you put common sense to good use, your vision will be very clear about what's gone on here.
1: Makeup can definitely be an adequate substitute for a physical mask. And I don't think any better example I can think of would be the rock band Kiss in their original incarnation. Right. Where they were all playing characters and you weren't allowed to see their faces for many, many years. And Photoshop at the time didn't exist for you just to change the color of it. So there was a great example of creating a psychological effect and they were utilizing this concept.
0: That was like their whole whole brand in a way because uh, there was this big idea that someone was going to catch them out of makeup. It's a perfect idea. And by the way, the one everyone followed was the demon. Um, that was the one that got the most interest for the most part. But you were going to say something there, Wayne?
2: Yeah, just to kind of go off of what you guys were saying about KISS, this was a perfect marketing strategy and it shows you the uh, psychological power of the idea of the mask. And uh, like you said, uh, the most followed one was was probably the, the demon uh, personality, yep. which was uh, portrayed by Gene Simmons. So uh, probably because he was the darkest one. I well, think the, so, yeah. There's an obvious thing to be pointed out here. Um, if
0: we stripped Mr. Jaime Simmons of his makeup and that's who he was on stage, there would be a whole different perception then this guy with the dragon boots spitting fires with this, you know, demon makeup, this whole other perception becomes apparent. And that was Lock, Stock and Barrel. No one's going to tell you that band was the best musicians. No one's going to tell you they wrote the best songs. But for a good period of time, they were the top band in the land to make fun of one of their live <laughs> live
2: albums. They're still touring, too. <laughs> Yeah, They're we got touring. There, there's the there's
0: the perfect idea for doubles, right? How hard would it be to double kiss? Well, they've always brought in
1: new members and slapped makeup on them. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've taken it to a whole other level now because two of the original members aren't there, but they have the rights to the makeup, so they have two other people playing the original quote unquote characters. Right, but it, it
0: was very apparent. Uh, the point I'm making is, like, when when for all we know, uh, Paul Stanley got too old to go on stage. Five years ago, and the guy we've been seeing up there in makeup is a Paul Stanley look-alike. Um, you just don't know in in this day and age. You just don't know. And by the way, they've got body masks now. Have you seen some of the body suits that they use in movies? You really can't tell the difference. Some of these fat suits and other things, it's, it's incredible. And this echoes all the way back to the original Mission Impossible from the 60s. That idea was poking you in the eye, what they could pull off. They were always taking their secret agents in to go take over a country. And one of the guys would put on a mask to become... The, uh, the leader of that country or something, and he'd talk like them, act like them, the whole thing. Uh, they were making fun all the way back in the 60s about the old swap, you know, now you see me, now you don't idea. Been going on forever.
1: Masks also have known and oftentimes utilized psychological effects on people. People have experienced various personality changes while wearing masks.
0: This is the basis of, as an example, I don't even remember where I saw it. It was in the last year. I saw um, African ritual masks that were carved out of wood, I think mostly, and they were going for crap loads of money. And I was thinking, well, what is it? Is it that the tribe doesn't exist? Why are these particular masks so highly valued? And then they started describing what I was talking about earlier, that one person would put on the mask and would assume the spirit or you know, like that kind of idea going on with them. But it was insane amounts of money for some of these old African masks. Um, and I would further point out, how many clips have you seen online where someone puts on a scary Halloween mask and scares the living bejesus out of someone? Would the same result be achievable with
2: no mask at all? Yeah, and that's that's precisely the whole point here. I mean, there is this uh, known psychological property when people put on a mask, they do uh, sometimes experience these personality changes. They would do things they normally wouldn't do, or they would act in ways they normally wouldn't act. And like you said, a good example of that is uh, the the person dons the mask and jumps out and frightens somebody. Now, would it be as frightening without the mask? No, probably not. That's the whole thing. So uh, you know, you could see how this kind of thing draws a, a certain psychological reaction out of uh, not only the wearer of the mask but the the people that they are interacting with so uh, you could see how these are used in in various ways to get certain psychological effects out of people uh, certain behaviors certain emotions they invoke certain emotions depending on the type of mask
1: this is uh, one of the key things behind psychological horror those kinds of movies How many of these big characters are not even human-looking? We have Freddy Krueger. We have uh, Jason from Friday the 13th. We have Michael Myers. Who, incidentally, uh, the guy
0: who wears the hockey mask, which one is that, Jason? Hockey mask is Jason. So when he takes that off, did you know that the mask that he's wearing, the human-looking mask, is actually William Shatner's face inside out? That's actually
1: Michael Myers.
0: Yeah, I don't watch horror flicks, but the, you know, that really does begin to demonstrate the power of these tools, like a hockey mask. Who would ever have thought before that franchise went out that someone could put on a hockey mask and, and get people so terrified? But anyhow, I interrupted you.
1: Well, the whole point is, how scary would these characters be if they didn't have this extra thing to really drive home the effect? Now, you do have the character of, say, Hannibal Lecter, who's played by a very good actor, who can pull it off. But that's not the common thing. And of course, they do stick a mask on him at one point, and that's the iconic image they use a lot to represent Hannibal Lecter.
0: Right. It's the whole pursuit. What about Bane from, from Batman? One of these days, we're going to have to do a Batman episode to show, as I pointed out the, uh, in, in a recent episode, the acronym for all the big AI in China is Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent, the acronym being BAT the kickoff of all this nonsense was attributed to bats in a weird way. And I've maintained all the way along that the dark night idea was wholly connected into the transformation of our world, where we currently are wondering tomorrow, if we're going to wake up with Humvees on our streets. Um, And I would suggest to you that things like Bane, like what Jason just pointed out about Helen, it's a whole different human experience just with the simplest mask and the other thing is the the dividing and conquering idea. You know, think about seeing your mother's face or these things that are ingrained into our subconscious, or people you love or your friends, and think about now where all those faces are removed. The subconscious shift in the world—it's like the ultimate version of divide and conquer. It really is. It's like the—it's almost like dehumanizing, taking a little humanity out of everybody. Wayne, you got anything you want to add in before I wrap up? Two two five.
2: No, I think uh, the only thing I would like to say is uh, just going off of the whole Batman idea and archetype you were talking about, Batman wears a mask too. And uh, this, this creates, yeah, this is also, this contains a whole lot of esoteric or occult ideas behind it because there's just so much esoteric and occult influence of bats per se there's there's so much meaning there to explore just esoterically with that but also the whole dark night kind of archetype uh, this this is a display of the anti-hero so batman was always destined from you know its inception to become the anti-hero and we see that more and more today with the modern comic books and the modern movies and stuff so just an interesting thing that goes along with this whole mass conversation with with batman so that may be an avenue we we should explore someday
1: Traditionally, the good guys did not wear masks, but the bad guys did. But with the advent of superheroes, that sort of shifted quite a lot.
0: There was kind of a, an exception to that rule with the Lone Ranger. Um, although, to be fair, I haven't looked at it, uh, the originals recently to see if he was really a hidden antihero. But in the, in the Batman case, what's ironic is it's just like Halloween. You go back to 60s, it's campy, his little ears on what they like to call a cowl. They like to call that mask a cowl. Um, His little ears uh, come off more as being like bat ears. By the time we get up to more modern and he becomes the evil Dark Knight or the negative entity Batman, uh, those ears have grown into horns, kind of devilly horns, very thinly veiled. But anyhow, that does bring the first hour of 224 to a close. I'm not sure... We'll have to review this to see if we're going to run hour one on YouTube. I know we said COVID, and we've been threatened that if we talk about these things, they're going to come stomp on us. And actually, the last one we didn't run, and it went just fine. Everybody came over to the site, got their free content or their full content, whatever they wanted. Anyhow, join us over in the free speech zone, where we're going to get a lot more heavily into this, where we can actually speak in free air. Join us at crow777radio.com. That's c r r. OW777radio.com That's the only true crow site in the world. Everything else is a fraud and they are in fact defrauding and doing all kinds of negative things. But join us on the other side man. There it is. Cheers. (laughs)